Hey everyone, how's it going? This is Anthony Cazenza with the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast, and it's that time of week again where we come together, talk about the Bengals, and uh, obviously there's there's a lot of talk about new directions with the team and uh, with the draft in the rearview mirror. There still is a lot to talk about, a lot to break down, and we have a special episode today. We'll get to our special guest in just a second, but I am joined as always by my, my comrade, my co-host, John Sheeran. John, how are you? I'm I'm excited. I'm actually giddy right now. I can't. I can hardly contain it right now. To be quite honest, I, enough about me. Let's get to the guests. Let's get to yeah, the guests. yeah, yeah. Just, just we'll get to you again in a second, John. Uh, the reason why we are giddy and the reason why we are excited, we have one of the greatest players in Bengals history joining us, offensive lineman Willie Anderson, joining the program once again. Willie, thanks for making the time. Uh, how are you, sir? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me back on the show. Yeah, we're 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 amped to have you. And like I said before, we took the air. I <laughs> I apologize. I hounded the hell out of you, but uh, I, I appreciate the fact that you made some time to come on and talk about the Bengals. Talk about what you're doing. Um, first things first. You're you're coming off a pretty cool experience from the NFL draft, where you represented the Bengals and announced their second round pick. Uh, I also noticed you got a little shout out to Auburn there. You had to do that. I, I saw that. So talk about that experience and uh, what that meant to you to represent the Bengals at the NFL draft. Um, it definitely was a great experience, man. We had, we had a ball. Um, actually, it was Marvin who called me. Really? Hey, man, they want to get you. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, they, they want to get you um, to announce the draft. I'm like, Marvin, what the hell are you doing with the Bengals? You still like, you like you're supposed to know? <laughs> he said, uh, he said, yeah, so uh, uh, PB Jr. called me and set it up, set everything up, man. And uh, they, they actually told me they'll be calling me back in about two or three weeks. And I forgot about it. Man. I was about to plan because I, I, I do work with Nike and the opening, uh, high school Nike opening camp. I'm one of the offensive line coaches. And uh, I had planned to be in Charlotte that weekend. Then uh, they finally emailed me back about my flight. I said, oh, damn, I got to do a draft. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I. I canceled with Nike and uh, we did it, man. They blew us up. It was, it was first class all the way. Um, had a great experience. Uh, got a chance to meet a lot of uh, former great players. Like, you know, I'm, I'm standing in the buffet line eating what I do very well. <laughs> and I feel, I feel a strong, tall presence behind me. I'm like, damn, who in the hell is behind me that's taller and bigger than me? I look behind Ed Too Tall Jones. I'm like, damn. Oh, wow. He's really six foot nine. I'm like, he, he really is too tall. Like, so, <laughs> these guys, man, and, you know, um, I think it's my first time, you know, talking to the commissioner. You know, we all as old guys, we all we all kind of yell at the commissioner about our meeting with the commissioner. They, they gave us a, a meeting with the commissioner. And we all, you know, we all yell all the old guy stuff, you know, <laughs> you know that things can be better for the older NFL players. Body, body. But it, it, was, it was a great experience. They, they did a good job. NFL did a good job about taking care of with guys and um, just good experience. That's awesome. I, I I mean, from what I could tell, I was obviously not there, but from what I could tell on TV, it, it seemed like there was a crazy amount of people there, even uh, even for night two. Um, just quickly, because you announced the pick, I'm curious your thoughts about the player and the fit for the Bengals, Drew Sample, tight end. Um, he was uh, a little bit of a surprise to a lot of people, but as he has arrived to Cincinnati, there's been some positive reviews. Just if you have any thoughts on him since you made the announcement of him as the newest Bengal. I mean, the Bengals, I mean, you, you got to get a credit to the Bengals and uh, the Duke Tobins and 
those uh, those guys, you know, you know, in the 2000s and the Marvin era, they did a pretty good job of picking up guys. I mean, they they haven't really, you know, I'm sure they've got here and there, but for the most part, they put together some very talented teams. Now, you know, back in the old days, we kind of struggled, but <laughs> but, but in, in the 2000s, they started picking right. I mean, you know, they they picked guys like Carson and, and Chad and TJ and Eric Steinbach. Whitworth and all the guys in the 2000s that they picked, a lot of these guys worked out. So I think you got to give uh, the kids sample uh, a chance. And you know, I, I was surprised. I thought for sure that Carmen was going to have it. I would pick the offensive line. I would have the crowd go crazy. I mean, it, it was a great experience. You know, um, the whole just seeing the behind the scenes at the draft. We all sit in the waiting room. You know, I was sitting in the um, the waiting room. Uh, my friends and uh, Richmond Webb and his wife. Mm. We had a great time weekend, and we kept getting called back. Like, I think Richmond got called. He got pushed back more than anybody in the green room, and, you know, because I, I kind of figured, you know what, I'm going to prepare this whole speech, I'm going to say, and the Bengals going to trade the damn pick. I said, watch it. <laughs> pick your trade. Like, damn, I got to sit back here even more now and think more about me falling down the steps, falling on stage, all the bad, all, all the things of bad things happen. So, you know, so every time somebody pick, got picked, pushed back, we get more even worse. So, um, I think the Falcons guy, uh, uh, a man played for the Falcons, they, they took their pick all the way out the second round. So, you know, but, but it, was, it was a great experience picking Drew. And, uh, you know, I think they're getting a chance. You know, I think, like I said, it's been great reviews out of camp. And they picked him in the second round for a reason. I mean, we'll, we'll see how it goes. So, we got you on after the Bengals finished draft where they took none other than an offensive tackle in the first round. What are your thoughts on Jonah Williams? What did you like about him when you watched him at Alabama? And do you think he is capable of coming in right away and playing at either left tackle or right tackle in week one? I think so, man. Um, if you see my Twitter, you know, I obviously follow a lot of SEC football. If you see my Twitter accounts, I've been, I've been raving about Jonah. You know, all season, you know, I've spoken to Jonah through social media. Um, I'm real cool with his, um, his former offensive line coach, Brent Key, who's now at Georgia Tech. You know, my, my son plays football at Georgia Tech, so I see Keys a lot now. But um, um, I know what Key, uh, Coach uh, Brent Keys teach. His, his style is similar to what um, I, I believe in. So I, I get a chance. I got a chance to watch Jonah do those techniques, and he does them very well. And that's why I, w- I would argue on Twitter with anyone who says, oh, he's going to be a guard. I'm like, man, this man is playing left tackle in the SEC and blocking NFL guys. You know, you know, I, you know I'm not saying the SEC is the king of all conference. I'm just saying, like, the conference is full of athletes. And he, they did a good-ass job of playing left tackle and blocking guys week in and week out for three years of, of starting Alabama. So I think, he, I think he proved that he can play tackle. Uh, which which one in the NFL? I think he'd be fine, you know. Um, and he's a top, you know. You know the whole, you know, you know how I am. I, I'm big about not telling, not letting people think of the left tackle, the right tackle. I mean, playing tackle is is, is big in the NFL. It's, it's hard in the position you play it because every team has rushers everywhere. You know, you, you see it now the emergence of having strong guards now because the three techniques are. You're getting the Geno Atkinson and the Aaron Donalds that three techniques and the Fletchers that three techniques that you better have some good guards too and you damn sure better have two good tackles. So, Jonah's going to prove the Bengals thing immediately. 
Well, it was good value at, at number 11, uh, first offensive lineman off the board. We're talking with former Bengals great Willie Anderson. He's got a lot of things going on, including recently being at the NFL draft, announcing the Bengals' second-round pick, and uh, working with his lineman academy. We'll hear about more. We'll hear more about that in just a second. Uh, Willie, before we took the air, we talked a little bit about uh, Michael Jordan and not not the really famous Michael Jordan, the other Michael Jordan, the younger one that the Bengals selected in round four. You've got some connections to him. He obviously grew up in the area, went to Ohio State, and is a uh, has been a Bengals fan and now is kind of living out his dream as a Bengals player. There seems to be a lot of upside with him, a lot of versatility. Uh, any thoughts on him as, as he now joins the Bengals in this new-look offensive line? Yeah, you know, like I said, I was telling you guys earlier, um, I trained a kid by the name of Paris Johnson, but Ohio State commit. He's right now ranked number one lineman in the country, right there uh, at St. X in Cincinnati. <clears throat> and um, Paris' mom, um, good friend of mine, I've been training Paris since I was fourteen, and um, they called me before the before the combine about uh, the kid Michael Jordan. About his dad wanted to catch up with me and wanted to sit down and train with us. And, but we, we know they get a chance to uh, put it together. But it was ironic that, that the Bengals picked him up. And you know, I, I watched him at I watched him at Ohio State. I think he was a, a, a dominant player at Ohio State, and and it's a really good pickup for the Bengals. And so hopefully, I'll be seeing a lot a lot of him lately later on this summer because I'll be up there working with parents, a lot of high school kids in Cincinnati area. So hopefully, I get a chance to work with Michael while I'm there. Willie. Uh... I'd, I'd be remiss if I did not, uh, if I did not ask you about the changing of the guard that occurred in Cincinnati this this off season in the form of Marvin Lewis uh, leaving the Bengals and the Bengals going in really a, a completely different direction in terms of a profile of a head coach and Zach Taylor. Um, you obviously I, I have some fond memories. I think we talked a little bit about this last time you were on the show. You have some fond memories of Marvin playing under him, and obviously, you you saw what the team was before Marvin and after. It's it's before Marvin and after Marvin. If you kind of want to mark times in uh, in Bengals history, you saw what it was before he got there. You saw what it was after he got there, and what the Bengals were able to do. Um, any thoughts? Just kind of parting thoughts on Marvin, and maybe what you've seen and heard about Zach Taylor being connected to the league as you are. It's like. Uh... <laughs> I guess you can say like in the Bible, it's BC and AD, right? Yeah, right, right. Before Marvin, after Marvin. But it was funny, I did a podcast with uh, a guy, uh, Brandon Thorne, who tells a lot of offensive line stuff on my uh, earlier day. Talking about Marvin, I was saying, man, you know, what people didn't realize is, uh, like, all the Baltimore, I'm going to say more the Pittsburgh, because we, we, we kind of hated Pittsburgh more in Cincinnati, but we, we had a certain different kind of hate for Baltimore, but there was a respect for Baltimore. But those two different, those, how brutal those games became, like, that's partly due to Marvin. People mm-hmm. don't realize that, you know, Marvin came from both places. Yeah. And when Marvin came to Cincinnati, you know, Marvin thought, you know, this is a running joke by all of us 2003 guys that was there when Marvin got there. But Marvin thought we all were terrible. <laughs> you know, he, he had the old, old mindset, man, I'm taking over team two and 14. Everybody on this damn team has to be terrible. So, a lot of guys, myself, and, and, and Chad, and TJs, and uh, Rudy, and, and these guys, uh, Levi Jones, we all had to tell, show Marvin that we, we weren't bad. We, just, we all just were on bad teams. 
You know what I mean? So, Marcus, Marcus come talking about Pittsburgh, talking about Baltimore. Now, he wanted to beat these teams, but, but he had to know him talking about these teams made us hate them even more. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and as time go on, I think he built that up to what those, what those games became. You know, early on in those games, you know, Pittsburgh was pretty much beating us. Then, 05, we kind of got our footing. And we, 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 we started having a really good matchup with Pittsburgh. Then once I retired, I, you know, I ended up in Baltimore, and I seen a different kind of hate with Baltimore and Pittsburgh. That's, that's totally different. That's, you want to, I can't even explain it. But I think Marvin kind of built those. Marvin being there and his attitude toward those teams kind of built that those, those, those games up to where some real blood-fest games. And I think before he got there, you know, the Bengals, we, we didn't have games like that. You know, we was in games where we were trying not to get blood in ourselves. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think him bringing the attitude, you know, you know, and Marvin had his fault. He know it. We all know. It, you know what I mean? But giving credit to what he does as far as bringing the style towards Cincinnati because we didn't have that, you know. And Marvin and I had our run in and, 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 and cut out disagreements, big disagreements. But I do give him credit on um, you know, he, he changed the image of the Bengals from what we were, but it was just, it was just uh, too bad he couldn't get it over the hump, over the hump, because you know it became a time that people got tired of just you know getting to the playoffs. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, at one point in time, before before '05 happened, everybody was wishing and praying to God that we just get to the playoffs. And we we all thought from '05 on, we thought it was the beginning of you know. Something special in Cincinnati, you know, and it did become special, but it never did go to the hump. I think people kind of got tired of that, and it kind of wore out with Marvin. I think he'll tell you that too. So, um, hopefully, this this new direction is kind of the same joke that the Bengals gave the city and the organization when they picked Marvin, you know. So, bringing a new culture, bringing a new staff, a new direction, and hopefully, that's, that's, that's a new joke of, you know, them getting going and not taking them because I don't, I don't think they're going to have, you know, I don't think they're expecting them to wait two, three years to rebuild it then go, then go have Marvin win. They have the pieces now. It's just about will that coach get the team to be a fighting, contending team that's playing smart football that's winning games. So. Yeah, and you, you obviously uh, literally and metaphorically were a gigantic part of the turnaround that uh, – took place under Marvin Lewis. And uh, just so you know, we've got, we've got a live chat going on as we do the podcast and a number of Bengals fans are saying big Willie, big Willie hall of fame, uh, you know, shout out from, from Arizona to big Willie. Yeah. They, they, we, we all, we all love you, man. And uh, I, I, there was another person who said, we've been missing you since, uh, since you left Cincinnati, which is definitely the truth. So uh, a lot of love from the podcast to you, uh, Willie Anderson. Again, this is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. We are talking with Willie Anderson. And uh, Willie, you, you're, you've been engaging, I think, over the past, what, two years in the Lineman Academy, maybe longer, um, where you are prepping uh, youth football players to groom them uh, for, for college level and beyond. Tell us a little bit about that, maybe some people we need to keep our eyes on as they continue to progress through their football careers. Yeah, so, you know, um, my, my, you know, I retired in 2008. My son, he tells me in 2011 or 10, he wants to play football. I'm like, oh, no, like, why? Like, <laughs> like, I've never played football. 
football with you forever. Like, my, my goal was to keep him away from football. I wanted so bad to be a basketball player. Like, we trained more for basketball than did football. But football was his love and passion, man. And I said, well, the only way you're going to catch up is if you train at it because, you know, you're in an area where you're not going to get a lot of great, a lot of great coaching. And I just think these coaches are not going to, they're not going to have sympathy for for you. I told his mom this. They're going to have sympathy for him because he's, he's behind and started so late. You know, I was a late bloomer, but I come up in an area where coaches wanted to be coaches. I think right now coaches, everyone is looking to move up. And that, that, that's no problem with that, you know, but I think sometimes kids suffer because um, the lack of continuity and lack of coaches want to be career coaches. Well, let's, let's face it. Teachers get paid like crap in this, in this in this country, and coaches are teachers in high school, and these guys want to continue to move up. So I understand. So training helped my son get to where he's at now. My son is a fourth year uh, uh, redshirt junior at Georgia Tech receiver wise. Got a full scholarship. So I said, man, once I get done with my son, so people are begging me to work with their son. I man, I, I can't do that. My son is he's so behind, and I give up my whole life to get my son in college. Not my whole life, but. I, t- I, I turned down other business opportunities then to get my son in college. Cause I, I was never, you know, playing football, pro football, you away so much. And, and I never gave time to my son for what he wanted to do. So for six years we did, that's what his training. So once he got done, he graduated in 2016. I started the Willie Anderson Lyman Academy. And I thought about doing with pros because people have been offering me, you know, you know, you know, a substantial amount of money to train pros line to get guys ready for combine and I said, man, my, I just think it would be so cool, like, whenever a pro guy who played pro football who was a really good teacher, because just because you play pro ball, you know, don't mean you're a good teacher, but it also means you can be a very good teacher if you can relate it to the student. Um, and I just thought, whenever I raised the cannon, these guys train my son, and, and, and different pro guys that I would have Terrell Owens and Chad talk to my son at receiver. And you know, Ray Buchanan was training him at cornerback. And to get a chance to be around these pro guys, I just thought it was so cool the information they would give to kids because these guys were really good, uh, really good teachers. And I said, damn, you know what? I'm going to start with kids because to me, I see so many seven to eight grade offensive linemen getting ran out of football. Big guys getting ran out of football by, you know, some guy who's an asshole. You know, I'm not going to say that, but I said it, but right. who's, who, who, take, who take the fun out of football for kids because he thinks a 7 8th grade guy should be tough and just be going to be big. And, no, man, teach me what I'm, I'm supposed to be doing. I've also seen 7 to 8th grade parents get so discouraged because they don't know what their sons even, even are, are doing, you know what I mean? But the neighbor's kid, you know, Jonathan, he's scoring three touchdowns and his dad is the coach of the team, and you know, John, Jonathan family gets a chance to feel good at the game and after the game where the linemen don't feel good because they're one and not getting taught the proper stuff. Two, it's not fun. And three, you're getting yelled all damn time. You don't want to do that. And and I just think at that level, you go into high school, um, I think high school coaches do their best with what they think you do. They, they, they do the best with the information they have, best with the resources they have. And I just think a guy like myself pouring back into high school kids, it means a lot more to me than you know, I know what pro guys about what tips you should be doing because pro offensive line coaches, they don't, they don't want guys like me in the NFL because they, you know, you know, I say all the time, 
pro football, the only job you have that you put on your resume, your resume is held against you because you played. So people will say, well, you don't want to put the hours in because you played in the NFL. You don't know what it is to coach. Well, you know, I necessarily don't want to coach. I want to skill develop. You know, give me two days out of the week to work with guys on skill. I don't want to sit in the classroom and go over plays and, and get so afraid of this blitz and spend an hour on one day I play. I don't want to do that. that that's coaching. But skill development is what we do at the academy. We, we cross-train the guys. and It's just, it's just teaching big guys to understand that, hey, you're an athlete. You matter. Your technique, in order to be great, it's, it's, it's a technique, technique-driven position. And um, I'm having fun doing that. I do train. Um, I do train, train a lot of pro guys. My, my main focus is to, is to make get a high school kid who's a five-foot, I have several these kind of kids, kids who are five foot eleven that are juniors and seniors in high school that would never go play high school, college football, but their parents want them to have fun playing high school football. They want them to know what they're doing. You know, I get pleasure out of that, and I also get pleasure out of you know seeing a guy like a Terrence Johnson, right at, at St. X in Cincinnati, who stayed with me he was fourteen years old, and I said this kid's the worst kid I ever seen play football like. I, I kicked him out of my, my, my buddy, uh, Floyd Walker, who's a pastor in Cincinnati. He brought PJ down to me. I said, man, he can't be in my drills because the kid, he, he's, he's holding me up. Like, I work with him on my own at the house. And I, and I basically started training PJ in my in my kitchen. And now to see PJ is, is ranked number one lineman in the country um, for the wow. 2020 class. Um, right there, saying that he's, he's, he's the most coveted offensive lineman in the country. And I have other guys. I have a guy, Chris Morris, out of Memphis. These kids travel to, to Atlanta to come work with me. And you'll be amazed at these kids work at this. I got a kind of kid in Atlanta called Paul Teo, uh, right here at, at Milton High School in Georgia. I met Paul in the seventh grade. He's one of the biggest damn kids I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Theo, Paul is committed to uh, uh, Clemson right now. So wow. to see these kids from 13, 14 years old, now they're about to be seniors. And they're ranked national in the country when people just say, oh, they're just some big, clumsy kids. Now these kids are big, athletic, they look good. And I get a joy, I don't know why, I get a certain joy out of that. than me saying, yeah, you know, training, you know, flying to Oklahoma City and train Lane Johnson for the Eagles, that's great. Lane is a great player. And for them to believe in me, to, to train all these pros to believe in me, that's a great feeling. But it's even better feeling for me to develop someone's son to see them get to college or to see them to be successful, successful players in high school. So that's kind of what we do at the Willie Allen Lime Academy. You know, I'll talk all day about it because it's my passion. That's awesome. Uh, I, I've seen some stuff that you've done, you've put up on your Twitter account. And for those who, for some reason, are, are not following Willie Anderson on Twitter, at BigWillie7179, I've seen some stuff that you put up and uh, working with kids, which I think is awesome. I'm a, I'm a former coach myself, and I understand the joy of working with, you know, high school level kids and stuff. It's, it, it's a really cool feeling. And, you know, between what you do and some of the stuff that your old offensive line coach, Paul Alexander is doing with, with younger football players. I think both of what you guys are doing is, is very cool. Uh, if there's a way either to find out more information or to get involved from, for volunteerism or anything with your organization, where can people go to find out more? Go to my website, willieandersonlimanacademy.net. Um, you know, both my social media, Instagram, Instagram and Twitter, both the same. Big Willie seventy one seventy nine. 
Um, also, we're selling some videos. Uh, I have my own set of videos that I sell, but uh, my past pro videos, um, they're on my website called training.olineblocks.com. And then Paul and Dandre and I, we did some videos, some past pro videos and similar as well. I'm called Paul, Paul and Willie. They're on Coach Two. So very cool. Yeah. So awesome. You know, we 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 we're trying to get the old, we're trying to get the offensive linemen training and skills development as high as the quarterback. So right now, everybody's a quarterback trainer right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. quarterback trainers are very popular, but they've also helped improve the game. You know, so many people complain about seven on seven, but I mean, look at the year Andy Dog came to the league, and I think all it was about seven quarterbacks from Texas that were in the draft, including Andy and. Uh, Andrew Luck and the kid from the Dolphins and uh, Robert Griffin and there was about several guys that, that grew up playing several types of football. And they all came to the NFL as starters and they and they all credited playing seven on seven and having quarterback trainers as the reason why they were able to come in and play so early. I think offensive line training has to get popular and parents have to see, hey man, let me take my kids to a specialist and get them trained and develop. And I tell high school coaches, don't. Off of the line coaches, so you know we, you know we, it was their territory, and I tell coaches don't, don't, don't think we're teaching your kid anything else. You know, when a kid comes to us, I say, man, hey, first thing I want to know is what are you being taught at school because we have to perfect that first. So if you go to a math studio and you're, and you're going for an algebra test, and she teaches you geometry, like what good is that? Right. You know. So we're, we're, we're tutors that's going to refresh you up on what you doing in school or what you're doing in college. We have college guys, uh, a gang of college kids coming in now because they're on break. And we're, so we, we give you a little bit extra to put in your toolbox. But at the same time, we're going to help you to perfect the techniques and what you're being done taught at your school. So, you know, it's not different. Though. It's not the pro way or the high school way. It's football. Well, I, I can't think of many other people who are <laughs> who I'd want my kid to learn under uh, over over yourself? I mean, that's uh, that's you're one of the best offensive linemen to ever do it. So uh, you know, obviously, what you're teaching is um, very valuable, and uh, it's it's very cool that you're giving back to you know future generations in this way in terms of teaching knowledge, technique, all that good stuff. Um, Willie, it's it's been an absolute pleasure. I appreciate the time. Uh, we'd love to have you back on again sometime in the near future, whether it's something that you're doing with the Academy or just to talk more Bengals or both. We'd love to have you back on, man. Let's do it. I'll be up in Cincinnati, uh, I think, next month for some stuff up there. So uh, maybe we talk there and see a bunch of guys. I definitely want to get by training camp. So, you know, it's who they all day. I, I'd, I'd <laughs> love it. I'd love it. Thanks, Willie. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right. That was Willie Anderson. Former Bengals offensive lineman, one of the best to ever do it. And uh, he's got, you heard the websites, you heard the information that he's got. Very, I actually didn't know he's putting out training videos, John. That's, that's pretty oh, cool. Oh, dude, do you have Instagram? Well, I knew he was doing, I knew he was doing his, his little clips. I didn't know he was selling actual tape. Right, right. Stuff like that. That's, that's pretty cool and valuable stuff in itself. So, uh, I mean, my kid's only two, but if you have a, if you're listening and you have a kid that's maybe thinking about football and especially offensive linemen, at least maybe start there 
And uh, if you're a Bengals guy, I'm sure Willie would love to work with with you and your kid. I mean, I, I don't know. To me, that's pretty cool. Does he? Does, I don't follow him on Instagram. Admittedly, I follow him on Twitter. Does he put a lot of stuff up on Instagram? I just love like going through my friends' stories. It's just like the most basic crap imaginable. All of a sudden, you get to like a live video of Willie Anderson. It's like eight minutes of just him just going through like rigorous training with with pass protection drills, and it's and like you can watch it for like a couple minutes and just learn something new every 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 time if you're if you're into that stuff. So it's he's he's one of a kind, man. Because like you said, like it, it, it's it's not the fact that he was a great offensive lineman, but not not all the great players can become great teachers and great coaches. Right. But he's just someone who can do it at, at both and this that's a rarity especially nowadays and i think part of it you heard it in at the end of that interview when we when we were asking him about it um i think part of it and probably a big part of it is the passion that he has for it uh mm-hmm. i mean he, not only the passion of football and playing football as long as he did at such a high level that he did but um the passion of of you know kind of teaching future football players and i think it sounds like he said one kid's going to Clemson, another kid that Paris Johnson kid's going to Ohio State. So those are a couple of names to to look out for. So our thanks to Willie Anderson. He's been on the program before. It's been a little while. I think it was bef- just before the start of last season we had him yeah. on. And uh, so, you know, with the Bengals investing so much in offensive linemen this offseason, we figured it would be a good time to get him back on. And we appreciate his time. Hopefully we'll get him back on again soon. And I hope you all enjoyed that interview at least even close to as much as John and I did. I, I, I don't want to speak for you, John, but I enjoyed it. It's always yeah. good. So, good dude. Good dude. And actually got some funny story. I thought that the draft story was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, anyway, this is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. He's John Shearer and I'm Anthony Cazenza. Uh, we just heard from Willie Anderson. And in case you didn't join us live and uh, you want to get that interview or other snippets of this episode other episodes all that good stuff you can find our content on itunes on stitcher on spotify on google play you can also find our content on the megaphone platform on youtube and all of our content is on cincyjungle.com so you can check that out and again big thanks to willie anderson for joining us uh it's been a little while since we've had a Bengals player on and not many of them are have the resume as as big willie so uh it's good to have him on the program john last week we talked a little bit about some quotes from Bengals wide receivers and how interesting some of those comments were uh you know this is the time of year where you try and read between the lines and there's a lot of player speak there's a lot of coach speak and you know every you know it's especially now with the the new coach and all that kind of stuff there's a honeymoon phase, right? Everybody's everything's groovy, and you know there's there's limited contact between the the players and the coaches, and limited exposure, and everybody's stoked to be working with new players and all that kind of stuff. Uh, then when the humidity hits, the heat hits, the pads come on, and you're not hitting really anybody else aside except for teammates and and all that stuff. Tempers flare. Uh, you start really getting acclimated to coaching and, and some different things start happening. Well, if it's okay with you, John, I, I want to talk about, since we talked about some quotes from some players last week, especially about some of them being about the coaching regime, the new head coach, all of that, and that it being positive. I kind of wanted to talk about some recent comments by Zach Taylor that he made in an, uh, in an interview not on this program, but in another interview, another radio program, Sirius XM NFL Radio. And I thought 
some of them were very, very interesting. Uh, and it, they're not necessarily different in terms of what he said and what he had to what he has been saying all spring, but it's the fact of when he is saying it now that makes it different. So I guess where we should start is what he said about Andy Dalton, because Andy Dalton has been probably the hottest topic of conversation this spring based on the new, the new regime, the draft, are they going to take Dwayne Haskins, all this stuff? Well, nothing really ever materialized. They moved up for a fourth-round pick for a guy that's going to back up Andy Dalton and Ryan Finley, and that's it. There's no Ryan Tannehill. There's no Ryan Fitzpatrick. There's not, none of these other guys. There's no Dwayne Haskins, no Drew Locke. None of those guys came to Cincinnati. So, pointedly, the two hosts asked Zach Taylor about – Andy Dalton and his fit with the Cincinnati Bengals offense. He, he said, um, quote, he's a smart, decisive quarterback who has seen a lot of ball football. Taylor said of Dalton, he's just seen about every system someone can throw at him defensively. So he is not unprepared by any stretch. He knows when we start to install something, He's maybe only heard it a different way, but he knows exactly what the intent is. That's what's critical. Um, he kind of continued on. There's another part of the quote we'll get to in a second, but he continues on. Andy has full control of this offense. He's done a great job buying in, understanding it, and getting the younger guys up to speed. So we really feel like he's a perfect fit for what we want to do on offense, and he's going to do a great job managing it for us. Again, this is very similar to some of the things that he was kind of saying as he was first hired, but I think it makes a little bit more of an impact now that the draft is behind them, free agency and any possible trade scenarios, all that stuff is behind them. I don't know. Is this? Am I reading too much into this, or is this something that we should start saying, you know what, this, this is the plan we've started to like some of the things that came out of the plan, the draft plan. So maybe we should start endearing ourselves to Taylor's positivity about Dalton. Well, we don't really have a choice because like you said, all that stuff is in the past now. And, and we pr probably should have ex expected um, this timeline to happen. Once uh, we realized that uh, Mike Brown was going to basically wait and see for Dalton for in 2019 and not even discuss his potential contract extension, which was obviously the right thing to do, but at the same time, I guess it was just a way of saying, yeah, he's going to be the starter in 2019, and we're not going to make a sizable investment to replace him in 2019. We're going to look at 2020 for that, and that's all fine and dandy. But you know, eight years of this of the same basic, basically the same statements reworded in different ways. It's it's, it's not it's not getting old, but it's just it's not it's not anything new, I guess. Because I, I remember all the comments that Hugh Jackson made about Andy because Hugh Jackson was running the offense under Marvin Lewis when he was offensive coordinator. And that was all nice. And, you know, when everything clicked, it clicked. And he had his career years and, and whatnot. But as Taylor mentioned, you know, he's seen a lot of defenses thrown his way. And through eight years, we've seen the same defenses kind of give him struggles and give him, and give him some pressure. And he's, through eight years of his career, he hasn't been able to overcome those, those same specific struggles. So I don't know if Taylor has this magic touch that can magically make him into a better quarterback at 32, 33 years old. But I guess we have no choice but to wait and see and find out. But I, I think it, it is important to, for Taylor and the Bengals organization to have a 
a singular vision with Dalton and with the offense in general. I think that's important to have that continuity and, and that solidarity in terms of a, of a management perspective, which is always important. I, it's just, it's not really a wait and see for Dalton. It's just more of like, show me something that I haven't seen before. And I don't know if Taylor is the guy to do that. It, it, obviously, like when you look at uh, the other options that you, that we could have had taken over Marvin Lewis, we could have Adam Gase, which if you've been following the news, we've seen the debacle of the Jets and what, what that is undergone so at least it was better than that but like with taylor you know you you would hope in his experience of you know being in the system with the rams and how they were they were able to elevate a quarterback like jared goff into the quarterback that he is entering year four you hope to see something similar to that with dalton but again goff is 23 years old going into his fourth year dalton is in his early 30s going into his ninth year so it's, it's this whole dichotomy of like you know, Dolan can get better, but he can't because he's he is who he's always been, and it's hard it's hard for players to change at that stage in their career. And and it may, it may not even it may not even be about Dolan like changing. It's just, it's just about minimizing the badness that we that we've usually seen with him and maximizing the goodness. And that all depends, in my opinion, on just keeping the stability of the offense as a whole. And if pieces start to fall, I don't know if he's the quarterback to necessarily overcome those changes. But I guess it's just up to Taylor now to just keep the ship right and, 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 and not let it turn sideways. So the offense that Dalton is supposedly going to be managing, uh, we, we've had an idea that it's going to be very similar to, uh, similar to what the Rams, what, what Taylor was contributing towards with the Rams, um, especially in terms of, you know, all kinds of different, sweep concepts, jet sweeps and run games, and obviously, uh, you know, developing play action. And he noted that um, saying uh, the other part of the quote that, that was attached to Andy Dalton saying, we feel like this offense quote unquote feels like we feel like this offense starts with the ground game. If we can establish the running game and the play actions and the movements and the screens and build off of that, that's really where our success is is going to come from. And then he's, you know, he goes into, you know, Andy managing the offense. So, I mean, as it, I would say personally, the only surprising thing about that statement would be the fact that he just kind of came out and said, I guess, tipped the hand a little bit um, in terms of what they're going to do or what they're going to try and do. But between the offensive line additions, between the two running backs, they picked up in the draft. I don't think that's all that surprising. No, not at all. Uh, yeah, I mean, your 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 thoughts on that quote, and if if you think they'll be able to do a lot of these things, or if the, is this just kind of pie in the sky optimism? Well, look, I'm I'm all for I'm all for cockiness. I'm all for arrogance. And Taylor's coming off of a Rams team that just ran ran over everybody with Todd Gurley in that offensive line, and that's not necessarily an anomaly, but that, that that's a special group there. Gurley's a special running back. We know their left tackle is pretty special in Los Angeles, and the rest of their offense line is not too shabby either. So if Taylor thinks he can just replicate what uh, McVay's doing in Los Angeles with the group here, he's probably going to have a rude awakening, not necessarily because Mixon's bad, because he's not. Mixon actually compares fav- favorably to Tug Gurley. The offensive line, however, is in a different tier, and it still needs a lot of work um, to actually, uh, you know, formulate some cohesion and, and get, get some chemistry and actually, you know, work like a top tier unit. So there's definitely going to be some growing pains there because there's going to be new additions joining that group. But I, the, the mindset's fine because, you know, 
I, I personally don't believe that the run game helps out play action. I think I think the data has proven that if you just utilize play action enough, it'll fool defenses because the defenses always have to account for the threat of the run, regardless if the run has been quote-unquote established. But at the end of the day, if you can run the ball and if you have a quarterback that you can't rely on to throw 35 to 40 times a game, then I guess there, there, there are worse, you know, there are worse strategies, especially if you have a running back like Joe Mixon and you have a rotation with Giovanni Bernard, maybe a Travion Williams. But yeah, drafting two offensive linemen, two explosive offensive linemen who can get after in the run game, drafting two running backs, drafting a tight end most known for blocking in round two, they tipped their hand right in the draft. And if you didn't see that before, then you just weren't paying attention. So this is clearly the plan they want to build off of Mixon's 20, 2018 season. And they hope that the passing game benefits off of that. And that's, that's, uh, that's all fine, but we just have to see it work now. Yeah, and uh, you know, I think we we talked about in recent episodes. I can't remember if it was last week or the week before, but how certain Bengals players would potentially fit into a Rams-like scheme. Who, which players would play which kind of roles, that sort of thing. And there are, you know, Drew Sample's probably going to play the Tyler Higby type of role. The receivers, there are, you know, some different um, niche areas that each one of those guys can compare. You can compare them to Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, you know, all those guys. And uh, so, you know, that's potentially what Zach Taylor has in common. I thought the end of the interview, I mean, he could talk about at least the end of this clip of the interview, I thought was very telling um, in a certain way. And it wasn't really about the offense or the nuances of, of Andy Dalton's fit into it or anything like that. It was really about Zach, you mentioned confidence, John. I'm going to try and play this clip. Hopefully, uh, it'll come through and you guys can hear it. There's a there's going to be a question from the radio host to Zach Taylor, and then uh, you know he's going to answer the question here. So I'm going to try and play this. Hopefully, it comes through. If not, I'll just I'll just say the quote. But um, here it is. When now to to kind of give you a little bit of background, this is a question about. Of course, they're talking to the Bengals coach and the question of, well, what do you think about the Browns and the Ravens and the Steelers? So it, it turns into, you know, they're still an after, the Bengals are still an afterthought in the division, at least for this year. And I really like, even though it was a very simple answer, I really liked Zach Taylor's answer. Call me eternal optimist, I guess, in, in hearing this. But let me play this for you. John, let me know if this doesn't come through, but uh, I think I've got it here. Do you look at the rest of your divisional opponents and kind of look around and, and just, I mean, this is going to be one of the more competitive divisions in all the NFL. And I, look, I know you've been a part of other ones before, but, you know, this one in particular is going to be tough. Can you just talk about the challenge of, you know, this Cleveland team that looks like they've got a lot of optimism, obviously on paper, have a ton of ability to, in particular on offense. The Steelers aren't going to lie down. And, and you have the division chance for a year ago in the Baltimore Ravens turning a page with a quarterback who's taken over now with Lamar Jackson. It, it's a tough division. You know, a lot of those teams have, have really talented players, great coaching staffs, um, you know, and so a, a lot of those teams are getting a lot of well-deserved publicity in the offseason. That's great, but, you know, they still got to come play us. And so we feel like if we handle our business here, then we're going to be a tough team to play. And um, so we're more concerned about ourselves right now and just getting ourselves right. And we'll be prepared in September um, for those teams to come play against us. So, again, it kind of sounded like, and by the way, uh, 
I have to credit Sirius XM NFL Radio. I believe that one of the hosts of that show, I, I didn't catch who the host where I think the one who asked that question might have been Brady Quinn. Um, but I, I could be wrong about that. Uh, of course, Brady Quinn, the former Cleveland Brown, by the way. Uh, but um, I'm, I'm not totally sure. But go check out the interview on Sirius XM NFL Radio. We'll also have the clip up that you can listen to the, the entire snippet of the interview. That, that'll be going up on CincyJungle.com on Thursday. So... Be sure to check that out. But the part, it, it's really it's a really simple answer. It sounds like coach speak, but to me, I, I loved, and call me old-fashioned, but I loved just the simple statement of they still have to come play us. Uh, and I know hopes aren't necessarily high for this season for the Bengals. I, I just, I don't know. I, I caught a vibe of maybe uh, – they might know some things about this team that we don't, uh, this coaching staff, the talent. They might see the talent that they have at some of these positions and say, and they're saying we're going to surprise some people. But I kind of like the, the aw shucks part of Zach Taylor mixed with kind of the confident, I don't want to say cocky, but confidence from Zach Taylor, especially as a first-time head coach. Again, am I just reaching here, or do you, do you sense any kind of the same thing that I'm feeling? You are pretty old-fashioned. You didn't have to ask me that before this, so for me to answer that. They should be worried about them. No kidding. They're the worst team in the division right now. Like, like the, There's a reason why the Browns, the Ravens, and the Steelers are getting the love, because they actually did stuff this offseason. The Steelers made a trade-up into the first round for the first time since like they did it for Troy Palomalo. So obviously there's history with that. The, the Ravens went out and got the best free safety in the NFL, a free safety that has intercepted any Dolan in the past, and they have a and they have a second year quarterback looking to get better. The Browns went out and traded for Odell Beckham and Olivier Vernon, and they have a quarterback of the future. There's a reason why the Bengals, we've talked about this so many times on the show. There's a reason why the Bengals are being quote unquote ignored for the publicity because right now they have the they have the least promising case in the division. But of course, it's going to be it's going to be competitive because it's all it always is competitive. This is never a division where a team just outright wins and dominates over other teams. It's very rare that a team will win five or six games in this division against divisional opponents. And I don't expect that to be the case this year. I wouldn't expect a team who wins the division to win more than 11 games. 11 games might be the absolute ceiling for any of these teams, including the yeah. Bengals, including the Browns. And I, and honestly, at this point, I'm, I'm not confident in saying that any team is, is the favorite, which definitely bodes well for the Bengals because, like, like you said, there's not a ton of confidence that they're ready to compete for, to make a playoff run this season. The pieces are are still building there. There's still enough to compete for a playoff spot at the very least in this division. But again, like this is the this is the same guy who said the motto for this year is it's about us. They have nothing to work. They shouldn't be concerned about teams that are, are more talented on paper and have, have a more, uh, a stronger base and a foundation already built because they're still building the foundation. Taylor's still making his market to snack. He's still building his culture. He's still building his roster. That's all fine because we, we can go ahead and give him a year to kind of get under uh, under center and, and get some foundation. But, you know, th this is just like, yeah, yeah, it's it's fun. But at the same time, like, there's a reason why, you know, these comments are being made and, and these questions are being asked because this is the situation that they're in right now. And I, I love having – Zach Taylor being implemented. I love it. That this is the, this is the turning of the page beyond Marvin Lewis. But with that comes in, in uncertainty, and with uncertainty, we, we kind of just question it a little bit too much. And because of the moves that the other teams made, this is the, the situation that they are. So 
kudos to Zach for handling that well. But at, at the end of the day, it just, all that matters is what you put on the field. I guess where I'm kind of coming from, and some of it stems from what Willie Anderson said earlier in this show and what Lewis Riddick said on the ESPN telecast of the NFL draft uh, a few weekends ago. The, the whole thing with the Bengals, especially recently, has not been about the inability to uh, – now, in the 90s and stuff, of course, that was there were major issues in, in what I'm about to say. But through the Marvin Lewis era and even into this year, it, it's not – it hasn't really been about – you know, a lack of identifying talent. There's been some big misses, of course, but they've accumulated talent. And I, I think when you saw that run of five straight postseason berths, I mean, they, they, they always, the whole thing was they have one of the best all around rosters, top to bottom in the NFL. It's just putting it together. Willie Anderson said it tonight, whether it was Marvin Lewis or, you know, Zach Taylor now, it's a matter of putting it together. I think they have the pieces. I think they have talent. We've seen what Joe Mixon can do. We know what A.J. Green can do. It's now a system, having the right coaches, pushing the right buttons of the players on the roster, and if they can finally, you know, get over the hump, as as Willie said earlier. And uh, I don't know that that's going to happen this year. I don't know that they're going to make major noise in the division this year, but I guess I like the mindset. And I like the open mindset of, hey, yeah, those teams are good, but let's not forget about us. You know, uh, we had the AFC, AFC's leading rusher last year. We were really injured. And, uh, you know, who knows what can happen this year. So, uh, I don't know. I, I just thought there were some some interesting comments. They're not really different comments. It's more of the fact that they're, they're comments that are at a different point in time after the draft, after free agency, that really struck with, stuck with me and, and struck me as, oh, wow, you know, this, this guy's pretty confident. And, and um, it sounds like even though he's a first-time head coach, he's young, younger than me, um, <laughs> he, uh, he's, he knows what he's doing and he's got a plan. And uh, it's a matter of if that plan is going to be executed successfully and uh, if these players buy in. We'll see. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. He's John Sheeran. I'm Anthony Cazenza. Uh, we've got a couple of announcements we'll talk about at the end of the show, but we're going to get into a couple of listener questions here. You can call or text us, 949-542-6241. Um, we do have a call on the line. We'll get to that in just a second, but call or text us. Leave a question in the live YouTube chat. Uh, you can leave it on the thread at cincyjungle.com. Tweet us at BengalsOBI. And uh, we'll try and get to yours before we get out of here. Um, if you're new to the show, you can get this program on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spotify, on Google Play, on the Megaphone platform. You can also get it on YouTube and CincyJungle.com. So, John, we're going to get to some listener questions. And we have one of our, our regulars that we welcome often, John from Kentucky. John, how are you, sir? I'm doing great tonight, guys. Who day? And I am just so excited. I'm so optimistic about this coming season. The first season since I was in my 30s, I'm now in my 50s, without Marvin Lewis. <laughs> that in itself is enough to celebrate. And the fact that we've gotten a big tight end, I've heard he's impressing us. In the OTAs, I'm talking about Sample, that he may be a real gem. I'm praying that is the case. 
and I've nothing but good things to say about the Bengals right now. Uh, I want to see Dalton play under this new coach. Give him a year. Same thing with A.J. Green. Let's see what happens. But we've everything to gain, and right now nothing to lose with this new coaching staff. Pittsburgh's going to be terrible. They've lost, what, Bell and uh, Antonio Brown. Roethlisberger is approaching 40. He's not Tom Brady. He's been too beat up in our division. He's... uh, He's not what he used to be. Uh, Cleveland, I think they're a little overhyped. Not saying they're not good, but Cincinnati, I think, is the real sleeper, man. I'm very excited. Yeah, and, uh, you know, this this season could go – to me, to me, it's a it's a feast or famine season for the Bengals. You know, I think it could be one of those surprising 9-10 win seasons that, that, that they've snuck on us in 2009, 2011 – um, you know, that, that eight and eight season in Marvin's first year in 2003, you know, the, 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 some of those, it could be a season like that where we go, Hey, you know, things are, things are kind of looking up here, or it could be one of those, as most of the national media is predicting, it could be one of those disastrous three, four win rebuilding seasons where the Bengals really try. Uh, I, I don't want to say they tank because I don't think that's. I don't think that's what's going to, I think, I think that, you know, they, no, if that occurs, that if that occurs, they'll be looking at, um, at, you know, another, another quarterback. Uh, John, we're going to get to another call here. I hope you enjoyed, especially uh, him being from your, your Bengal fandom era. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Willie Anderson and we'll, we'll talk to you. We'll talk to you okay. soon, bud. Okay. Good day. Thank you. So John, I, they call it the episode of optimism. I don't know. I, I know uh, I can be cynical at times. I know you can be cynical at times. There's just some good vibes, and maybe that just comes with the, the, the decent draft class, the rookie minicamp, and some positive reviews there. I don't know, man. Do, do, we need, do you need to crash us back down to reality? What, what, what's going on? Like you said, man, it's May. It's not humid yet in Cincinnati or Kentucky, <laughs> for that matter. It's, it's not time for us to be depressed yet, but I'll let you know when that time is. Okay. Uh, we, do have, we do have another call coming in. Let me grab this one here. I think I know who this one is. Uh, this is the Orange and Black Insider. Who's this? How you doing? It's Terrell. Terrell, what's going on, buddy? Hope you enjoyed the uh, the interview with Willie. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to it yet. Uh, but uh, and, and, and that's what I was going to tell y'all guys. Like, I, I was so uh, wrapped up with the kids and everything. And I lost track of time. And I'm like, wow, that. I caught half y'all uh, segment talking about uh, uh, just the uh, Taylor uh, uh, New Regime thing and talking about the, uh, the whole, uh, just talking about Dalton and everything like that. So I got to uh, rewatch the whole thing. Trust and believe, I watched and rewatched the things uh, twice, a, um, sometimes the next day, the, uh, the next morning, every day. But, uh, but anyway, uh, I just want to just, a couple things, but I just uh, hope the line get uh, restructured. Uh, worst kind of worse, uh, if if Michael Jordan looked good in the preseason and into the uh, draft and he caught on real fast, and they saying I don't know if they saying like Bowling's here like he like a five million or eight million dollar over the cap. I mean something like that. Uh, go ahead and cut him. I mean, just go in and just uh, grind with uh, him and uh, Price. And, and I, uh, what's my line? Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Cody Glenn, 
Bollinger, if if there, if not Michael Jordan Westerman, Billy Price, John Miller, and then uh, Jonah Williams, and then back up Carr. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's uh, what a lot of people are predicting what the Bengals line would look like. It's possible Jonah Williams was taking left tackle snaps, first team left tackle snaps. I mean, granted, they weren't doing all that much at rookie mini camps, but um, he was taking left tackle snaps there. There's a possibility he takes the left tackle spot. Maybe Cordy Glenn kicks uh, over to the right side. He also, I mean, that's another guy you sit here and you look at. Maybe Jonah Williams is the guy that you, you, you sit here and you're impressed with Jonah Williams so much. And, and you know, and, 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 and not to cut you off though, real quick though, uh, I really do want to see uh, Williams up towards the line this year as a, as a hybrid linebacker. I think I really do think he could be one. And I and have somebody. Are you talking about, you're talking about Sean Williams? Yeah, Sean Williams. Okay. I really do want him to be a hybrid linebacker so bad. I just feel like he's the second best linebacker on the team. Yeah, it, he is. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's possible, and and uh, going back to what I was saying earlier, I, you know, it's possible. You're talking about bowling salary. I think he's only making about six million this year, and he's in the last year of his contract. It's it's Cordy Glenn that's uh, you know got a, a pretty big number, but I think the Bills ate quite a bit of the the, the guaranteed money right. of that contract, so I don't think the Bengals are on the hook for too much. So the Bengals are actually kind of in a good spot with a lot of depth and a lot of pretty good players that they've accumulated on the offensive line. A lot of question marks in terms of guys that have talent, but, but haven't got the chance to play. Uh, Terrell, I'm going to, I'm going to let my co-host talk to your talk about Sean Williams off the air, but uh, appreciate you calling in, bud. No problem. All right. All right. Uh, You know, I think the Sean Williams thing, it's one of those things, John, where, you know, is it a, Great idea because it works awesome in Madden football, or is it a great idea because it's creative and it actually plays into today's NFL? And that idea being, you know, Jesse Bates, another safety back there, maybe Brandon Wilson or whoever else. And then you have a Sean Williams creep up to the line, kind of playing that Mark Baronish hybrid linebacker type of position. Um, I don't know. What do you think? I'm looking at. Um... PFF does uh, a lot of, along with like uh, grades and everything, they, they actually track um, where players line up in terms of specific spe- specific positions. So I Williams took 395 snaps as a free safety last year and took 424 snaps in the box. So he's, te- he's ar- if, if you don't consider him a linebacker, that's fine, but he, he, he he's labeled as a safety. He plays most of his snaps in the box, whether as a, as a quote-unquote strong safety, either he creeps up about five yards off the line, or he plays like a, like actually a, like a linebacker, and he, and he has like a little bracketed coverage over a tight end or a slot receiver, and he comes down home and plays the run. That That's that's where he excels. Like He doesn't excel as a guy playing 20 yards off the ball and dropping back into a deep shell. He plays close to the line because he, he's really good at coming up and being that force defender because he's a really solid tackler, and and the, the more space you put him in, the, the less impactful it becomes. So, like, there's all this talk about him just converting him to a linebacker. Just don't do anything different than what he is. He played really well last year, and that's because there was more versatility in his usage, and I think that's the, that's the ideal thing going forward. Yeah, and I got to, you know, first of all, that's uh, fantastic statistics you just threw out in terms of uh, that's very interesting stuff about how he played, how he was used. Um, 
I, I find that very interesting. And he, you know, he's, he was kind of given a little bit of free reign. And I got to give Sean Williams a lot of credit because if you remember when he was drafted, he was basically an in-the-box safety, didn't really do basically any kind of coverage concepts at Georgia, and he has grown into one of the better Bengals players on defense. He had some limitations, but, John, I think you'd agree. He's grown into a I – w- I wouldn't say outstanding football player, but I would I would say probably at least solid. And I think, you know, you team him up with uh, Bates in the backfield. You know, Bates is more of that center fielder type the big play type. And then, you know, you can, you can pick if you want to do the, the, the three safety thing, you got Brandon Williams, you got potentially Trayvon Henderson. You talked about him, I think last week who impressed. And then you got Fedulum, uh, who, who has done a couple of decent things, mostly as a special teamer, but uh, sometimes as a defensive player. So, you know, that's an option. And then the Bengals invested heavily in all those cornerbacks uh, over the past couple of years. So then you can throw out four of those guys. Maybe you have Sean Williams as a hybrid guy. You have Bates still back there. There are options. You talked about his college days. I, I remember wanting to draft his teammate at safety. His name was Bakari Rambo. I, I totally remember Bakari Rambo. Only because of his name. Like there was, yeah. I, I only scouted him because of his name. But, yeah, like Rambo is like the, the traditional free safety. I think he had like eight interceptions in one of his underclassmen years. So he's tech, he's really the base to Sean Williams as Sean Williams. But, yeah, yeah, you're completely right. And um, But, but yeah, freaking Rambo, though. <laughs> what a name. I know. <laughs> And I, I oh, and, and also like I, is he even playing? Is he even playing anymore? No, no, he's, yeah. he's he's been out of the league. But I think another thing that benefits Williams is that uh, his def- his new defensive coordinator uh, has experience coaching Landon Collins, who is yeah. also listed as a safety. But there was a lot. There was, I mean, he's he was basically has been a linebacker for the past three seasons, and those those have been his best seasons since he had a, a troublesome rookie year. But closely, he's been playing the line of scrimmage. The better he's become, he's got a big payday with the Redskins. So I think. Um, I think Lou is going to have um, a lot of success using Williams the same way that he used Collins in uh, New in New York. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, one more question before we we uh, close up shop here, John. It was from Mister Whisper in the live YouTube chat. I I don't know. This is a pretty broad question, but. Uh, maybe we can get a little cute with it. Uh, basically, who on the roster do you see having a big year? Uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, you could take that a number of different ways. I, I think we can probably get a little more specific with it, whether that's a rookie, a second-year guy, or maybe a veteran having a renaissance under the the new coaching staff. I the reason I wanted to go go with this question though is because I thought you put up an interesting tweet that I saw recently kind of rating the Bengals player, the the start starters on the roster. Um, And, and some were lower than expected, but it, it, you know, all all in all uh, difficult to argue with some of those ratings you had, but I don't know. What what do you think about that? I'm going to go bull and say Gino Atkins. I'm just kidding. Um, I'm going to say, I'll say Lawson, I think, because, yeah, like, he's kind of been, like, the forgotten man. I've been someone who's who's been saying that he needs some help in that that position group, and I'm really curious about how he's going to come back and if he's going to come back 100% to start the year. And I think that's a fair question to ask because he tore his ACL right before Halloween last season. So the time I would put him at at about August when you would expect most of those guys his size to come back and, and start hitting the pads. But... You know the 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 way the way he won um, in college and in his first year wasn't really about 
uh, flexibility. It was more about lower body power and leverage and whatnot. And if he can gain that strength back, because if you remember, like when Geno Atkins came back from his torn ACL, it took him like a full year to okay. basically really become back that, that dominant defensive lineman. And while he was playing in 2014, the year he returned, he just wasn't that, that same dominant force. So it, it'll be interesting to see if Lawson can get there because he wins. No, he's an edge player and, and Atkins is a three technique. So they, they line up differently, but they kind of win similarly where they, if you, if he, if they get, if they get under you as an offensive lineman, you're basically toast because even if Lawson doesn't have those long arms, he, he, his power for his size is, is immense. And I, hopefully that power comes back. But if it does, I think he's going to return and build off of what we thought he was going to build off his rookie season, maybe get close to that 10, 10 sack mark because they're, they're going to need him to play heavy snaps because they only added carry Wood into that position group. They're going to rely on Sam Hubbard to basically replace Michael Johnson, but he's going to have every opportunity on third down to rush the passer. And I think PFF put out a tweet he led or wasn't like the top five in terms of just pressure rate through like the first eight weeks. And he only had one sack, but he was getting, he was getting there close and he was affecting plays. It just wasn't finishing. So I think uh, after a year that that, that that script might flip a little bit and he'll, he'll finish those sacks that he didn't last year, as long as he comes back hundred percent. Yeah, and, and, you know, the Bengals felt his absence and the absence of Glasgow uh, once, once both mm-hmm. those, and, and once, and not because gigantic st- statistical numbers, but the depth, the rotational purposes, um, and, you know, the, the quality of the snaps that they had, uh, you know, in terms of what they were able to produce in the snaps that they gave. You know, I think the, the Bengals missed them. I, I liked, and this this may be a, a tiny bit obvious, but I like T. Martin's answer to this question, um, saying looking for William Jackson the third to dominate this year. You know, I, I think William Jackson got off to a slow start last year. He ended up playing pretty well towards the end of the year, but um, not the – I mean, he was hyped up big time last offseason by pro football focus. You know, everybody said he's going to play 16 games and, you know, he's going to he's going to just be a lockdown guy. In some ways, he was, Um, you know, completion rates and all that kind of stuff was not was not high when when balls were thrown his way. Other times, quarterbacks just ignored throwing his direction, but uh, did not put up the gaudy stats that some other players did. And I think a lot of players were very on that side of the ball were very disenchanted with Terrell Austin. So, um, you know, Mm -hmm. that is. And him being one of them, I, I think that is a player to, to watch. I guess as a, as a younger guy, I'm still going back to this Rennell Wren kid. Um, you know, I, I think I, I just read an article on Bengals.com about him, his sheer size, what he's shown in camp. Again, very limited in terms of what they're doing in the rookie mini camp. But um, I, I don't know that I'm, I'm not very confident in saying that this huge year is going to come in 2019. It could but I think give him a year or two, and this kid's if, – if he puts it together, he's going to be a top defensive lineman in the NFL. It's just a matter of if and when. Um, but, it, you know, it, he's got all the tools, and, um, you know, if they can rein that in and, and uh, teach a little technique to the kid, I, I really like that pick. And the Bengals, as, we've, as we well know, have had quite a bit of success in finding – productive defensive tackles in the third and fourth rounds throughout year, you know, past 10 years plus in the draft, 10, 15 years, I guess um, they've, they've been able to do that. So, uh, you know, I think he's an interesting player and could provide some much needed depth up front 
um, that was lost in some of the injuries last year. You know, I, I, you saw towards the end of the year, I thought Geno Atkins, while having one of his better years, not his best, but his better years, I, I could see there were times where he uh, he looked a little gassed. And I think that there were, you know, even though he is a three-down player, um, you know, he does rotate in and out. And when you don't have a Glasgow or some of these other guys to come in to, to help spell you um, and you got to play more snaps, um, you know, there's going to be an impact. So um, that's my take on it. But uh, there are a number of different candidates. I saw some people saying right away their immediate answers to this question to Mr. Whisper was Tyler Boyd. You know, I to me, Tyler Boyd's breakout year was last year. But, um, you know, I, I suppose if he continues on that pace, especially with other guys being healthy, if he continues being that kind of productive, then you could say he's truly, you know, d- on the right track to start him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is the orange and black insider Bengals podcast. You can get this show on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spotify, on Google play, on megaphone, on YouTube, and all of our stuff is on cincyjungle.com. So download it, subscribe to our channels. Uh, and you know, thank you for all the questions that those of you submitted to us this week. And we're going to, this is kind of the announcement thing that uh, I wanted to bring up before we get out of here. John and I have been speaking and uh, some other folks and I have been speaking. We're looking to do a couple of different things with this show. We'll definitely keep you updated as to you know what that looks like. But basically, not really too much of a change of, a, of the format for this show, with the exception being... What we what we're tinkering with is maybe making a standalone listener questions episode every week or a couple times a month that we put out where it's basically, you know, 20, 30 minutes of strictly listener questions. Then we have our standard show like we do every week and some other things to add to the slate of programming that we bring you. Maybe, you know, um, we talk about divisional updates here and there fantasy football insider, that sort of thing. So we're looking basically to bring more content to you, a diverse, uh, kind of a diverse type of programming to you aside from what we do on this, uh, on this standard episode. Again, we're not going to try and reinvent the wheel. It's more about adding more, more things. Uh, some will be different. Some may not be different, but, uh, if you have any feedback or anything, definitely let us know. But, uh, just nothing, nothing set in stone yet. We haven't really talked too much about uh, exactly how things will look. Some preliminary conversations have occurred, but uh, John, I don't know if you have anything to add to that. But I know you and I have been talking about it's what- going to be. It's going to be a lot better, guys. Um, we've definitely heard some feedback, and we've definitely thought about how we can do this better. And we are both confident that this is a good direction to go in. And the good thing about the offseason is that we can continue to tinker with it. But by, by, by the time. The Zach Taylor era officially begins. This podcast will be a lot better for you to consume on a daily basis throughout the week. And we couldn't be more excited to bring it to you. Yeah, it's, it's a great, great way to put it. And you know what? It is really about bringing you more content. Um, you know, we, we love to bring you this every week when we do break up certain parts of our episode to bring you different things. Obviously when there's big events like free agency in the draft, we bring you some different pieces of content, but uh, we want to make that a little more continual uh, throughout the year and, and 
you know, bring you different, different things, different points of view, different pieces of news, give you a platform in the listener questions segments and, and make that a more, so maybe, you know, maybe we're getting six to seven listener questions every week instead of two or three. Um, and that, that way we hear from, from more of you, hear from our regulars that we love to hear from and, uh, you know, make that uh, a thing of its own and, and a little mailbag thing of its own or whatever you want to call it and um, go from there. But uh, we are trying to bring you different things and hopefully you'll enjoy that. We will keep you updated on all of that, but uh, just wanted to announce that there may be a little bit of, of differences coming in the show. Again, not really differences in the, in the layout of the, the main program, but uh, we'll keep you updated. I promise. And, and we'll still, you'll still see our beautiful faces. I promise. I promise. <laughs> Our thanks to Willie Anderson uh, for joining us. Go check out the Willie Willie Anderson Offensive Lineman Academy, his website. Go If your kid's interested in playing offensive line, go grab some of his videos. Uh, I know he would love that. It was awesome talking. We, we were hoping to get 10 to 15 minutes out of him. I think we got close to 30, so that was freaking awesome. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I hope we get him back again soon, which I, it sounds like we will. But uh, it's been been too long since we caught up with him, but I'm glad we did. So thank you, Willie, for making the time. Thank you to all of you to, who submitted questions and, and tuned in live, as well as to those of you who are getting the program after the fact. We appreciate that. And thank you, John, for bringing the, bringing the knowledge that you always bring, my friend. Anything else before we sign off here? If you could allow me to break some news here. The Jets traded Darren Lee, the guy that they were talking about trading for a long time, to the Chiefs for a six-round pick in 2020. And I can promise you that the Bengals did not offer that because they're not projected any compensatory picks in the 2020 draft. Just saying. Yep. <laughs> yep. So breaking news. Breaking news. We got we to cue the, the sound effects. Breaking news on uh, the Orange and Black Insider. Interesting because that was a guy that a lot of people thought would make a lot of sense for the Bengals. Yeah. But uh, – uh, one of those guys again who just never really reached the potential has had a couple of other run-ins, but um, yeah, so that is off the table for the Bengals, and they seem to be pretty content with uh, who they have at the linebacker. They may add a couple of little bargain bargain deals here. I think Zach Brown signed somewhere. I, I saw. I think it was Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and um, you know, I know that was a guy that a lot of Bengals fans wanted to see in Cincinnati, but did not happen. So. Anyway, uh, that's going to do it for us this week. Thanks, everybody. We appreciate it. Thanks, Willie. And uh, we will see you next time.